Thanks for listening to iTruths, the teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church of Texarkana, Texas. I'm Richard Hornock, the senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church, and the following is a message that I delivered during one of our Sunday morning worship services. I trust that it will be beneficial to your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks again. Hey, we as a church exist to help you become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. I try to say that often because I want you to remember it, but I also want you to buy into it. What we do is all this stuff to help you, to help the person next to you, to help the person who's going to come for the first time next week to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. If, that, if they don't know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, first thing we want to do is introduce them to Jesus Christ. If they do know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, we want to help them take the next several steps in that relationship. Becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ is the absolute most important thing that we as believers can do. We want to to be his people in this place that he has put us. That's what Fellowship Bible Church is all about. Well, I got a question for you. What is the essence of being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? You know, if we were to sit and take the time, we could probably shout out a bunch of things. We could come up with a good list But, you know, there is one thing that is is just, like, right at the core of it. And I think, arguably, after you study this passage that we're going to look at today, you would probably say with me, you know what, that's what it's all about. That that If you do that, you're on track. You don't do that. It doesn't matter how many other hoops you jump through, you're still not on the way. Here's the most important thing. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So if you got a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Now, this is kind of the second part of a sermon that we started last week. Because what happened was Jesus was at that point in his story where he had been offering the kingdom to the people... But the leaders of the nation had made it very clear they're going to have nothing to do with it. They are going to reject that offer. And they are feverishly trying to figure out how to get him off of the front page. Ultimately, the only way they're going to be able to do it is by crucifying him. And so what Jesus is doing right now, because he knows, you know, he's God, plus he can read the, 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 the indicators What he is doing is he is in the process of preparing his disciples to become the leaders of the next phase, the next season, because the kingdom is going to be delayed, and instead of a kingdom, there's going to be a church. And so Jesus has been in the process of preparing them to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ functioning in the church. So really and truly, we've been kind of in this little section of Matthew for a few weeks here. It started in Matthew 14, and it's going to go until Matthew 19, 
where Jesus is really, or excuse me, Matthew is really kind of saying, this is the core of what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Think about it. Matthew is writing 30 years after the fact. He's writing to people that have been part of the church, particularly Jewish believers, and he is in that section of his telling of Jesus' life where he's saying, this is really the heart of what it means to be a disciple. This is really the heart of what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Well, if there is a heart of the heart, (laughs) that's what we're going to look at today, okay? So let me just kind of reset the stage. What we saw last week is Jesus had taken his disciples up to a place called Caesarea Philippi, way north in the land. They were as far away from Jerusalem as you could possibly get and still be in Side the borders of the land. And up there, he asked them that question that we saw last week. Who do people say that I am? And they brainstormed, you know, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, John the Baptist. And then he turned it and he said, who do you say that I am? And it was Peter who spoke for all of them and said, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. Messiah and Christ are the same. Messiah is Hebrew, Christ is Greek. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. In fact, you're the Son of God. And with that declaration spoken out loud for everyone to hear, all of a sudden Jesus recognized, and really the disciples recognized, that they had reached a new level. That public declaration changed everything. And now Jesus could start telling them some things. And this is all what we saw last week. And he told them, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. In fact, you, Peter... You're going to get the keys. And, and then he gave the keys to everyone else a couple chapters from now in chapter 18. But he's basically saying, I'm going to build my church. That is what I'm going to do. The kingdom's kicked down the road. It's still going to come, but there's going to be a delay. And in the meantime, I'm going to build my church. You know what else he told them? This is what we're going to see today. I'm not only going to build my church, I'm going to the cross. Look at chapter 16, verse 21. So if you got a Bible, if you haven't got it open yet, you'd really do well to find it uh, on your phone. If you want to use uh, the version I'm using, I use uh, New American Standard. But Matthew 16, verse 21, Jesus throws in another bit of information. I'm going to build my church, but I'm also heading to the cross. This is the first time Jesus told these guys about the cross. And, you know, in hindsight, we look back on it. I mean, it is basically September before Jesus is crucified in March. I mean, they're they're really only six or seven months away from the cross. 
And Jesus just told him that he's going to build the church. And now he's saying, I'm going to die on the cross. Look at, look at verse 21. So Matthew 16, verse 21, he said, From that time, Jesus Christ began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and then raised up on the third day. And, you know, Jesus is going to start saying that Often, In fact, Matthew's going to record it in detail at least two more times that that's what Jesus was telling them. But Jesus is telling them, hey, guys, okay, here's the plan. So, so get the picture. Who do you guys say I am? Peter says, we think you're the Messiah. We think you're God. And he said, okay, good. I'm going to build my church, and I'm going to Jerusalem to die. Because they knew what a cross was. I mean, they, they knew it was an implement of execution. And he started telling them that regularly. And look in verse 21 there. I mean, anyone and everyone who has any bit of authority is going to reject me. The elders, the chief priests, the scribes, they're all going to reject me. I'm going to be killed. But it seemed like they all pretty much forgot this last part and I'll be raised up on the third day. The only thing they fixated on is this rejection part, this killed part. And we're all probably familiar with 22 and 23. Peter takes him aside. Now, Peter, you know, he had just made this great declaration. Jesus had just kind of empowered him. And so Peter maybe was filling his oats and, you know, thought, hey, I can help this guy out a little bit. So Jesus, Peter takes him aside, verse 22, and began to rebuke him. Imagine that. How stupid can you be? But uh, Peter is rebuking the Son of God and saying, God forbid, this shall never happen to you. But what did Jesus do? Jesus turned to him and said to, said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but on man's. It's kind of interesting. One commentator I read on this said, you know, some of the, the, the worst advice we can get is from well-meaning believers who basically have our comfort in mind as opposed to our godly commitment in mind. And in a way, that's what Peter's doing. It's like, die? Why, die? Why in the world would you ever? I don't want you to die. I don't want you to be killed. I don't want you to be rejected. I mean, I just want you to be happy. Can you just be happy? I'm, just do whatever you want and be happy. I mean, Peter's advice sounds a lot like advice people give today in 2023. Just follow your heart and be happy. Are you happy? Yeah, I'm happy. Oh, good. I don't care. Just keep doing whatever you're doing, even though it's so sinful. I mean, what foolishness. And that's what Peter's doing. I mean, Jesus calls him Satan here because essentially he was asking, suggesting to Jesus to do the very thing that Satan suggested to Jesus back in Matthew 4. Skip the cross. That's what Satan was saying back with all those temptations, you know, when eat the bread... 
bow down and I'll give you the kingdoms, all that stuff. He's saying, skip the cross. So Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and then I'm going to the cross. Well, look at verse 24. You know what else he said? You can look at the screen. You're going to a cross too if you want to follow me. There's not just a cross in my future. If you really and truly want to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, if you want to be devoted to me, committed to me, guess what? You need to take up your cross. Look at verse 24. I'm going to the cross, but guess what? So are you. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, obviously, the, the little phrase, take up his cross, that was just an idiom to say, you know what? You got to lay it all down. You got to sacrifice it. I mean, we don't have too many idioms like that in our, our language, but it would be like someone, you know, back, you know, three, four decades ago when they used an electric chair saying, you know what? You got to go sit in the electric chair and plug it in. Flip the switch. If you want to follow Jesus Christ, stick your arm out and let him put the needle in, because I guess that's how we execute people today. In those days, you want to follow Christ? Go take up your cross and follow me. And you're not taking up your cross just so you can walk down a street. You're taking up a cross so you can go to the place of execution. What Jesus is saying there is you got to deny yourself, die to yourself, and follow me. But let, me let me look at the rest of the verses here, and then I just want to sit and talk about this. Because I think, I think we gloss over it. Because to be honest, I think this right here, I mean, this is the heart of it. This is the heart of what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. It is like you are dying to yourself. Jesus, in verse 25, he said, For anyone, whoever wishes to save his life, he's going to lose it. But whoever wishes to lose, whoever loses his life for my sake, he's going to find it. Man, you, you want a life that is abundant, you want a life that is, is like really living, you want a life that is, is full and, and uh, uh, fulfilling, a life where at the end of the day you can look in the mirror and you can say, I have pleased my creator, I, I am moving in the direction of fulfilling my purpose for being put on this planet. I mean, you take up your cross and follow me. You want to save your life? You want to relish that kind of life? 
because this world is so fallen, because this world is so sinful, because following Jesus is so countercultural, you essentially got to lose your life in order to gain your life. That's what Jesus is saying there in verse 25. Verse 26, For what will a man be profited if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for a soul? I mean, done lots of funerals. Once estimated, I think I've done well over a hundred funerals in my time as a pastor. You know, and other pastors have done much more than that. But a hundred. You know what? Everyone I met pretty much looked the same. Everyone I, every funeral I did, they all looked the same. Did, 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 a, did a funeral for some guy, and uh, the wife just basically called me because I think I was one of the only people that actually knew his name and, you know, owned a suit because he didn't own a suit. But you know what? He was in that coffin. He looked just like some of the millionaires that I've buried. At the end of the day, when you're in that coffin, it's all equal. You're dead. You're gone. You have passed from this life into the next, and it's all level ground. You know, some people are good looking, some people are bad looking. You know what? When they're dead, they all look dead. I mean, there's some creative artists that can do great work on you, but you know what? It's all equal. What's he saying there? Shoot, who cares how many degrees, how much money, how much success, how much, how well people speak of you? You forfeit your soul? It's zero. Or what will a man give in exchange for a soul? You could give everything you have. That isn't what's going to do it. See verse 27? There will come a day of judgment, of evaluation, for the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of His Father with His angels and will then recompense every person according to his deeds. I mean, in the end, it is what you did with Jesus Christ that counts. And so what he's saying here is you yourself are on the way to the cross. And basically, the, 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 the essence of following Jesus Christ, of being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, basically boils down to, am I going to let Jesus Christ live his life through me? Or am I going to live my life through me? And really, the way he puts it, the only way to let Christ live himself out is to, as the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans 6, to die with Christ. To die to ourself. Or as he says it here, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. 
And if you sit and think about it, I mean, there are so many things in life that basically boil down to that kind of denial, that kind of a choice. I mean, whether it's in a marriage or parenting or employment, there comes a point when you have to say no to yourself and yes to what it is that Jesus Christ is calling you to. I mean, in a marriage, I mean, there comes a point when you, to, to really and truly fulfill that marriage the way Christ calls you to do it, the way, the way the Apostle Paul lays it out in passages like 1 Corinthians 7 or Ephesians 5 or like Jesus did in Matthew 19, and you see all these little things about here's what a Christian husband does, here's what a Christian wife does, here is how you, as a, as a couple, really and truly become this beautiful picture of the love that Christ has for his church, and you are modeling this mystery of the church and Christ being the bride of Christ. The only way you can do that, many, many times, very often, is you got to die to yourself. Because it is just like this, this situation that often happens where it is like, am I going to do this thing? Or am I going to not do this thing? Am I going to lay down my life? Am I going to die to myself for the sake of this marriage? Because that is not what I want to do. I didn't sign on for that. And I know very well that that's what Jesus is calling me to. I can point you to the Bible verse that says, here's how I should respond, but I don't want to respond. And at those moments, at those little crossroads, you got to die to yourself if you want to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ in your marriage. You know what? you got to do that in your parenting. And I'll tell you what, this is one area where we're getting our rear ends kicked terribly. Because, I mean, if anyone is getting shortchanged in this culture, it is the children. It is the children. Because none of us want to give our best to the children. We look at someone who, who, who sacrifices their career or sacrifices their leisure time or sacrifices their money for the sake of those children that God has placed in that home. And, and we just don't understand it. I mean, what does it say about our culture when our child care workers are some of the, the, the least paid people? I mean, seven bucks an hour can replace a parent. And we've got this, this, this attitude of, of uh, you know, a professional can definitely do it better than the parent, as if the professional really and truly had the motivation to do it. Uh, I mean, to be a good parent you got to die to yourself. And, and, and it, that happens regularly where it is like you're saying, just like Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thine be done. I mean, you know, there are so many times you come to a Saturday, and this is what I want to do. I, I'm ready. I have worked. I mean, I've done my 40, 45, 50 hours this week 
and here's what I want to do. And many, many times, as parents, those kids don't factor in at all because we need some me time. And you know what? If you're going to be the kind of parent you need to be, that God's called you to be, one that is going to raise your kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Ephesians 6.4, you've got to die to yourself. You've got to die to yourself. Because if you sit and say, you know, hey, this is my time, and you don't, someone else is going to come in. And I can guarantee you we're not going to like the results. You're not going to like the results. And more importantly, God's not going to like the results. You have to die to yourself. I mean, you've got to do that in your career. There, there are so many times where we're placed into organizational structures and, and almost every one of us has an authority figure over us that we have to, to buy into and, and, and obey and, and be loyal to and all those things. And I know work can get really, really, you know, dicey and, and you know, convoluted and all that stuff. <laughs> the truth of the matter is all of us have to submit. And there comes times when we even have to, in a godly way, die to ourselves, even in that employment situation. I mean, I could go, keep going with, with almost every arena of life. There comes a point in our life when if we are going to truly be the fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, we are going to be the person that is living out Christ in that arena, whether it's our marriage, our parenting, our employment, our social life. There comes a time when we have to say, you know what, I may want that, I may desire that. I may even feel some almost an addiction to that. But I am going to slay that and die to that because I want to follow Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is saying there is the essence of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to the cross. And if you really want to be one of mine and follow me the way you're supposed to follow me, you know what? There's a cross in your future. And the truth of the matter is, there's many crosses in our future. I mean, you get, you get into to, to really and truly being wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus Christ. I mean, it's like hourly you're having to say no. And, and praying for that wisdom, God, what do you want me to do? Man, I could stay at work, and it, 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 it's 5.15, and, and I could stay at work for another three hours. But my spouse has been home with those kids for already an hour, and those kids are going to go to bed in an hour and a half because they got to get up for school the next day, and you got to shut it down and go home and not be mad and angry and bitter because you had to go home and be there and help this spouse that can't figure out how to get it all together. You go home and you are all there. You're, you're dying to that thing inside of you that says, this should be more important. You're going home and you're, you're giving 
and loving this person that God has placed in your life, this spouse that God has placed in your life, and and acknowledging and recognizing that they are far more important than that job or that hobby or that, that thing that is bugging you. That is what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus was saying when he said, back at verse 24, read it again. Please look at your Bible, whether it's on your phone or a piece of paper. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And you better believe, as we've read that, Satan has read that. And he will regularly test you to see if you're going to pick up that cross or if you're just going to ignore it. Because Jesus said, in a fallen world, following me is not easy. In fact, following me is impossible sometimes without just dying. And that's what he's called us to. Now, just real briefly, I want you to glance down at verse 28 and then spill over into the next chapter. Because where does Jesus, where does the story go from here? It goes to what we call the transfiguration. See verse 28, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who shall not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I mean, what's the kingdom? The kingdom's that time of reward. The kingdom's that time when, wow, it's good. And Jesus has just been saying, man, I'm building this church, but you're also heading towards a cross, and these crosses don't sound real fun. I much prefer paradise. I much prefer kingdom. I much prefer utopia to these cross, this cross season. And what Jesus said is, you know what? The kingdom's still coming. And in fact, very bad chapter division there. Six days later, verse 1, Jesus took with him Peter, James, John. They went up on a high mountain. Verse 2, Jesus was transfigured before him. His face shone like the sun. What happened? They saw Jesus in the kingdom, just to summarize it. They saw Jesus in his full glory. It's like, they, it's like for just an instance, they saw Jesus Christ as the king. And you know what I think Jesus is communicating there? And Matthew was telling this story right then to kind of uh, juxtapose the, the, the point here. He's saying, you know what, guys? I'm telling you, take up your cross and die for me. Because guess what? In the end, it is worth it. There is a kingdom. There is a time of reward. There is a time when I'll make all things come together. 
you step away and you look at the big point of these these of this section of the story Jesus is saying yeah I'm calling you to die I'm calling you to deny yourself but in the end it'll be worth it now by the way if you want to listen to it just an absolute incredible sermon on the on the transfiguration I think there was one that was preached from this pulpit uh, or from this platform in June of uh, 2022, it's, it's just called the Transfiguration. It's on the website. Man, it's good. I, I just, uh, you know, the downloads are going through the roof, you know. And, uh, you know, you would do well to go look at it if you're unfamiliar with what this was about or if you've forgotten about it. But let me just tell you two highlights out of that incredible sermon. Jesus is transfigured. He's got Peter, James, and John there. I think it's all happening because, because Jesus wants these guys, these core guys, the disciple who speaks the loudest and most often, Peter, the one who's going to live the longest, John, because he doesn't die till he's almost 100, and the one who's actually going to die first and give his life as a martyr for Jesus. James. He wanted those three guys to come as representative of the 12, as representative of us, and he wanted all of us to know it's worth it. And guess who else shows up? Moses and Elijah. And that was strategic. Because what's the, one of the things you remember about Moses? Moses did all this incredible stuff And then because of sin in his life, he never got into the land. Can you imagine that? He went on that 40-year trip through the wilderness and died five miles short of getting into the land. But where did Jesus get Moses into the land? Moses finally got in there when the king came. Elijah. Elijah, this incredible man who did some incredible miracles. But in reality, if you look at Elijah's life, after his battle on Mount Carmel, when he did all this wonderful stuff and the nation still rejected, he's a broken guy. I mean, he could have easily said, I did all of that stuff. And these people still rejected. Was it worth it? And you know what? Jesus allowed Elijah to show up and get to see the kingdom. Just like he did with Moses. I think Moses and Elijah, you sit and think about why they were there and the fact that they are getting to see the kingdom even though the kingdom's still even future to us. It's like God was saying, that life of sacrifice, that daily picking up your cross and following me, it is worth it. It's worth it. You know, tomorrow morning when you get to to that situation and you don't even know it's coming, and all of a sudden there's a cross sitting there, and you can either just leave it laying and go on with autopilot and do handle the situation the way you'd 
normally handle it, or you pick up that cross and you do what Jesus Christ would have you to do in that situation, whether it's make that comment, whether it's hold your tongue and not make that comment, whether it's make that phone call, do that act, whatever. Will you pick up that cross and follow Jesus? What Jesus Christ is here saying is, it's worth it. I never don't pay my debts, Jesus says. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Because we're ultimately on our way to the kingdom. You know, I always like to finish with just asking the question, so what? And really, this is the question. As you look over your life, as you look over this last week, are you really and truly putting Jesus Christ first in your life? Are you, are you seeing those crosses and picking them up? Or are you just conveniently laying there, leaving them lay there because it's so much easier just to ignore it and go with the flow. Jesus Christ calls us to take up our cross. And, and no, many times it doesn't make sense. Many times it appears like we are shooting ourselves in the foot because we are doing something that almost everyone would disagree with. But because we are taking up a cross for Jesus Christ... Jesus Christ says, you know what? Just like Elijah, just like Moses, you will find that it is worth it. It is worth it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the bluntness of this passage. And Lord, we acknowledge that uh, just in this fallen world, there are so many times when it is, uh, it's hard to live for you. And it's very easy to compromise. Uh, Father, compromise is such a, uh, an easy path. Many times we don't even recognize it. Many times we don't even recognize it in others because that's just, that's just how you do it. You don't rock the boat. You don't speak up. You don't hold your tongue. You don't refuse. You don't initiate. Whatever the situation, Father, I pray that today our sensitivity to complete and total commitment to Jesus Christ would be so heightened that father that, that that next cross that is in our future i pray father we would recognize it for exactly what it is and father with enthusiasm and uh motivation we'd pick up that cross father give us the discipline to deny ourselves to quit thinking like the world thinks and instead think like citizens of heaven. 
And Father, help us to deny ourselves and take up that cross and follow you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.